I don't know about you, but I love a good party. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's it. Thank you. Today, we're here to start the party, okay? This is not a one-time party, though. This is a lifelong party. We're going to be celebrating life today. And all through this next series, we're going to be celebrating all kinds of different things. So come on now. Let me hear you. So far, you get the award for ready to celebrate. Now, let me remind you that just last week, I preached that the disciples found Jesus' tomb empty and realized that he had risen from the dead. Now, come on, y'all. Let's celebrate life. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Now, before I get into this, I need to explain that today is going to be a very interactive message. That means I'm not just going to sit here and yell at you. You're going to yell back at me. Okay. And and here's how it's going to work. Um, Because sometimes I forget what I say. Here's the rules. It's very simple. Whenever you hear me say the words celebrate life, your reaction should be. Okay. And I want to be loud enough that when they listen to this on the Internet this week, they're going to go. I don't know what's going on there, but I got to show up next Sunday. Okay. So when I say celebrate life, there we go. Some of you, I, I'm going to look over here because I want to point anybody out. But some of you are like, hooray. You're like the old droopy, the dog. You know what, folks? I'm happy. Hold a little sign. Hooray. We cannot go through life like that. Hooray. I need you to celebrate life with me. You guys are going to go to work tomorrow. You'll be hoarse. We're at a concert. Church. Ah, it's awesome. (laughs) That's what I want to see. Clap, shout, something to let God know that you appreciate the life that he's given you and what he's done for you. You know, when I was serving in Florida as a youth and family minister, I used to ask this particular question a lot. I would say, especially to the teenagers, but also to their families, what have you done for him lately? That was a question that I said so much, they put it on a t-shirt once, all right? And, and not for my greatness or anything, but it was, and it was based on John three sixteen. If God really so loved the world that he gave his only son, what have you done for him lately? Now, we know we can't outgive God, and, and as we know, that, that was a cute little humble baby Jesus and a manger gift, okay? God gave his only son, but we also learned last week that little baby Jesus grew up to be perfect and an offering and our final sacrifice for our sins. And again, I ask, what have you done for him lately? That's, that's where this whole celebrate life thing comes in. So far, this section's got it pretty good. This row did well, but it just kind of, you know, get it going. All right. So I really want you to think about that today. What are you willing to do for him? You see, most of us go through life. It's a week later, like we've already forgotten what he did for us. We go through life much the same way that the disciples started out after Jesus' death. If you look in your Bibles at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29, this, the, the subsetting for this is that Jesus is among his disciples. The Bible says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, they actually had him locked. They were afraid of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, 
he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place on his side, um, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered him and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. You hear that? Our God is alive. And because he is alive, we should be able to celebrate life. (laughs) Last week, I told you beforehand, the party was going to start this week. All right. But what are we celebrating? We are celebrating. There you go. We are celebrating the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is alive. Now, come on, you all celebrate life with me. (laughs) Jesus calls us blessed. And we haven't even met him yet. He says, blessed are those that believe and yet haven't seen me. Have any of you seen Jesus? Have any of you touched his hands, his side? No. No. You believe in him? Oh, celebrate life. There you go. He says, blessed are those that believe yet haven't seen. We don't need to live our lives like the disciples started out. We don't need to live our lives in fear of anything. Today, man, (laughs) today the problem seems that we live like Thomas. We live with doubt. We live with a refusal to believe unless we see his hands and touch his side. I got to be honest with you. It seems to me that, that too many people, but not only just people in general of the world, but too many Christians in our world today are quick to believe that reality TV is real, yet still doubt that Christ is alive and preparing a place for us. It's true. It's sad. That's how we are. Well, you couldn't put it on the internet if it wasn't true. (laughs) Bonjour. (laughs) You know. We eat that up. But when I tell you Jesus is alive, we don't always want to celebrate life. Today, I want you to see the reasons that you have for celebrating life in Jesus. I may have said this too many times. (laughs) Today, I want to remind you that our Savior King came so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. We are going to celebrate. We're just going to celebrate. But hey, I got him on the edge of their seat right now. We're going to celebrate all month. And today, we're going to celebrate life. (laughs) Particularly, Particularly... the life that we have in Christ. And we're going to celebrate what he has done in our lives. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that we can come here and and that we can joyfully celebrate what you have given us. That we can joyfully celebrate just the fact that your son came, that he died for us, that he was a perfect sacrifice. And I pray that we will live our lives accordingly. 
Just open our hearts to your word today, Lord. Let us leave here living life to the fullest. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I got to tell you, I'm going to start by having somebody share with you what Jesus has done in their life and, and how he has changed their life. But I got to pause and tell you, while I was praying just now, I was thinking, I kept wanting to say celebrate life. And I was like, I can't do that in a prayer because, <laughs> whoo, that would have been crazy. Um, but I got somebody going to share with you a little bit about what Jesus has done in his life, how he's changed his life. Come on up. And, and what he does to celebrate Jesus and G- life in Jesus. I'll get it out in just a second. Uh, Dave Young is going to share a little bit with us. Go ahead. Don't be reading my notes. There's a spelling error. Yeah. <clears throat> so Fat Rock asked me, how has Jesus changed my life? And I started off, it's, I was coming up with a list of stuff, of, of things that have changed, circumstances that are different. And, you know, I have been a Christian all my life, and I'm keeping my hands in my pockets so I don't use uh, the air quote. Oh. <laughs> I was raised in a loving Christian home by Christian parents, went to church, went to Sunday school, had the crew cut and the bow tie. No, you can't see pictures. <laughs> but I didn't believe it. I didn't take it to heart. I called myself a Christian, but that would be like my lawnmower sitting in my garage calling itself a car. There's four wheels and an engine, but that's where the similarity ends. It was who I was or who I was not. Some people in life come to a crossroads where something happens where they have to stop and they have to think and they have to decide. I'm blessed to be one of those people because those events that that trigger these things are often very painful, and mine certainly was. And at that time, I had all kinds of advice coming from all kinds of different directions. There was the guys on TV, and they were obviously smarter than me. After all, I had their own TV show. And I was getting advice from my parents, whom I pretty much disregarded, from family, from friends, from strangers and from enemies, and all this different advice boiled down. If you just, if you just took it down to the nitty-gritty of it, there was two divergent paths, paths that cannot be mixed. There was a group of people that were saying, go out, make as much money as you can, and party, rock on. And then there was this other group, a really much smaller group, that was saying, no, Dave, you need to figure out what's true. What is true? What is truth? It hit me kind of hard. Pontius Pilate said the same thing to Christ. He kind of scoffed at him right before turning him over. He says, ha, what's, what is truth? Shortly thereafter, a circumstance came up where out of sheer boredom, I found myself doing something I had never done before, and that was to open up the Bible and read a complete book out of the Bible from start to finish right then, right there. And it was the only complete book I had ever read of the Bible to that point. It was a book of Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Dismal, dismal, depressing book. Until you get to the end, uh, the very end of it, and all of a sudden, oh, that's the point of it all. And that set me off on a journey. 
And it, it was a journey that I would have to decide, am I going to choose the path where I use others or am I going to choose the path where God uses me? I didn't know who God was, so I had to find out. Led me on a several-year journey to, to look at all the world religions and all the world philosophies, and, and they pretty much all fall apart pretty quick. But there were two parts of Christianity that caused it to fall apart for me, and that was the creation and the resurrection. I thought these were not true, not truth, but they were allegorical tales to show how powerful God was, but that he's this really nice guy. (laughs) When you look into it, when you really dive into it, and you come to the conclusion that they really are truth, things change. Your perspective changes. How you think, how I think, how I act, how I view other people, how I view my role in this planet. To understand that there was a plan There is a plan that was in play at creation, that was in play at the cross and at the resurrection, that is in play right here, right now, and Dave is a part of it. Instead of lamenting the past, John said last week, let your path go. The past is behind you. Let your path go forward from here. Forget about that. Parts of it may follow you, and it does. Choose the path. Now, instead of lamenting the past, I forget about it. I learn from it. I forget about it. But I celebrate this plan. I celebrate the eternal life that Jesus Christ provided for me. And all he wants from me, when I stood before him many years ago and said, okay, who are you and what do you want from me? All he wants from me is to love him, to place my faith in him, and to gratefully accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and celebrate it. The question isn't, how has Jesus changed my life? The question is, how did Jesus change me. That was awesome. <clears throat> Thank you, Dave. I got to tell you, that's hard to do in case you're wondering for somebody to come up here and talk to you guys while you just stare back. Okay. That's tough, especially when you're going to tell things about yourself that a lot of people maybe don't know. And I'm sure at the root of it, many of us have similar stories, maybe to Dave's, and, and how you came to know Jesus or how he came to change your life. Or at least you have a story of how Jesus has changed your life. So just so you know, though, your story, that's the first step you need in sharing Jesus with someone. You can tell the people that you know or the people that you meet or the people that you work with, hey, you know what Jesus Christ did for me? Let me tell you. Hey, you older folks, you're really good at going, hey, let me tell you about my grandchildren, okay? Especially when they're newborn, Charlie. Um, <laughs> but, but what you need to do is say, hey, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you what he has done in my life, where, where he provided for me, where my needs were met through him, where he sustained me through something so difficult, I don't know how I made it through except to say that he covered me somehow. Now that's reality, 
And, and it's your story of how our amazing God stepped in and showed you that life is worth celebrating. Now, come on, celebrate life. Listen, I want to do this real quick. If Christ has done something amazing in your life, stand up. Just stand up. If he has delivered you through a tough time, stand up. If he's restored you, stand up. If, if he's done anything, this is what I'm talking about. Look around. Look around. We're all standing. Why? Because Christ has done something for us. If he sacrificed himself for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, stand. Whatever Christ has done, don't just stand up in here. Go out there and stand up. Go out there and share what you know is true in your life because what he's done in your life as an individual. You don't have to have scriptures memorized. You don't have to know all the correct times of creation and whether it was a literal 24-hour day or a thousand-hour, 24-hour day because God's amazing and we're not. You don't have to know all that. Look around, celebrate. Look at this. Oh, there's a hundred reasons right now to celebrate life. I don't know. I don't know why you're standing except that I told you to. But seriously, if you're standing up because Christ has done something for you, thank him. Let him know. Show some appreciation. Show some love. That's what I'm talking about. If he has blessed you, remember that. Not just because you're standing here and it's safe. But remember when you walk out there and you go back to work where people may not want to hear it, but they should see it in how you live. You guys go ahead and sit back down. Thank you for playing along. I hope that just kind of simmers in your heart this week. I want to look at Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40. And some of you may find this unusual, but they get what you pay for because I'm, I'm a bit unusual myself. Luke 20, verse 27 through 40. Now, there came to him some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection. Uh, because I like to make fun of people, I always say that's why they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in a resurrection. But anyways, uh, they questioned him saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and he is childless, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. Now, there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died childless, and the second and the third married her. And in the same way, all seven died, leaving no children. Oh, first off, what are the odds? Okay. <laughs> but anyways, finally, the woman died also. Now, here's where they're trying to be tricky. In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. Now, if I were Jesus, it's a good thing I'm not. I would say, why does it matter? You don't believe in the resurrection anyways. But he didn't say that because he's smart and he's caring. He's full of compassion. And he said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die anymore because they are like angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Verse 38. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Amen. Amen. For all live to him. All live to him. You just stood up acknowledging that he did something in your life. So my question is, are you one of those all that lives to him? I like this. Some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have, well, you, have, you have spoken well. It says the scribes said that, not the Sadducees. Uh, uh, but do you see that? 
Jesus is telling them that they're wasting time on trivial things. They're they're trying to trick him. Every religious leader that had a conversation with Jesus, for the most part, tried to trick him up with something. The sons of this age marry. Here on earth, we marry. We are given to marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they they cannot even die anymore. I want to clarify this in case you're trying to figure out where I'm going. Jesus is saying this. Our God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. He's also saying, and I have this on a magnet on my refrigerator at home. What might have been does not exist, so don't go there. You see, what happens is these men, they're not sincere in their question. They're trying to trick him. They're doing the what if. Well, what if this happened while you were on the way to wherever? What if this? What if this? What if this? Jesus is like, no. Our God is a God, is not a God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. They were trying to find fault in Christ and they couldn't. So you can do one of two things. You can come before Christ with tricks in your heart and hypothetical questions all day long. Or you can come before him like this young lady here. Now, I'm going to show you a video in just a second. She came sincerely looking for answers to questions. And by the way, this young lady came because somebody asked her to come. high school to be put on the same bus that as of now my best friend Mary was on. I met Mary when my life wasn't going the best. I hadn't gone to church, let alone picked up a Bible for about four years. Mary and I were assigned to sit next to each other on the bus. We started talking. She asked if I was Christian. I told her I was. She asked if I had church. I didn't. And she invited me to Huntsville Christian Church. At first I figured I would go once and never come back. The churches I had gone to in the past made me give up going to any church at all. Once I went to youth, I kept going. I actually felt like I was seeing God appear in my life again. It was the first place I felt I belonged at, the first place to accept me from who I am. Jesus was there. He answered what I had longed for and needed after my mom left. He gave me somewhere safe, a place I wasn't that one kid no one wanted to talk to, a place of warm kind-hearted people. He gave me an escape, a place where I could learn about him and have fun while doing so. Jesus has done many things in my life. This is probably one of the best. He gave me what I wanted most and what I needed most. This is what Jesus has done for me. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Micah 7, 7. There you go. That's hard to do. We had a good time making the video, as you could tell. But man, it's amazing when a young person says, I came to a place expecting to leave and never come back. But people, that's you all, loved me, changed me. Brothers and sisters, I hope you're hearing that. But really what I hope you heard there was when Tess said, Jesus gave me what I needed, not just what I wanted. He gave her what she needed. Come on, y'all, let's celebrate life with that. That is the example of one life changed because one Christian young lady said to another girl on the bus, hey, you want to come to youth group? That's living the good life right there. That's having the courage to say, hey, you know what Jesus did for me? That's the amazingness of what we're here to do. Philip Bailey once wrote, we live in deeds, not in years, in thoughts, not in breaths. In feelings, not in figures on a dial. We should count time by heartthrobs, 
He most lives who thinks most, feels the noblest, acts the best. And he whose heart beats quickest lives the longest. Life is but a means to an end. And that end, my friends, is God. Come on now, church. That's worth celebrating. Life. (laughs) I caught you up the last time, so y'all were like waiting. I want to share with you something that James Dobson said in his book called Straight Talk to Men and Their Wives. And he says this, and he's making a comparison about what he calls the straight life and the good life. Okay? This is what he says. The straight life for a homemaker is washing dishes, cleaning sinks, scouring toilets, cleaning floors. It's chasing toddlers. It's mediating fights with siblings. It's driving the minivan to school and back 23 times a week. Some of you laugh because you know. It's grocery shopping. It's baking cupcakes for the class party last minute because that's when you were told about it. The straight life eventually means becoming the parent of an ungrateful teenager, which I assure you is no job for sissies. Certainly, the straight life for the homemaker can be an exhausting experience at times. The straight life for a man is not much simpler. It's pulling your tired frame out of bed five days a week, 50 weeks out of the year. It's earning two weeks of vacation in August and choosing a trip that will please the kids. It's spending your money wisely when you'd rather indulge in a new whatever. It's spending time with your kids on Saturday when you want so badly to watch that ball game. It's cleaning out the garage on your day off after working a 60-hour week. It's coping with head colds and engine tune-ups and crabgrass and income tax forms. It's taking your family to church on Sunday. Even when you've, had, when you've heard every idea the minister has to offer. <laughs> it's giving a portion of your income to God's work when you're already wondering how ends will meet. The straight life for the garden variety husband and father and wife or everything I've listed here and much, much more. But the good life, the one that truly satisfies, exists only when we stop wanting a better one. It is the condition of savoring what is rather than the longing for what might be. The itch for things, the lust for more, so brilliantly injected by those who peddle them, is a virus draining our souls of contentment. Have you noticed it lately? How a man can never earn enough money and how a woman is never beautiful enough. How clothes are never fashionable enough and cars are never nice enough. How gadgets are never modern enough and houses are never furnished enough. Food is never fancy enough. And relationships are never romantic enough. And life is never full enough. The reality is that we can only truly celebrate life and a life worth living when we can say to the world, enough. Satisfaction and a celebrated life in Christ. Oh, that was weak. I said satisfaction and a celebrated life in Christ will only happen when we step off the escalator of desire and say this is enough. What I have will do. What I make of, excuse me, um, what I make of it is up to me and my union with the living Lord. It's like Tess said in her video, God gave her what she wanted, but more than that, he gave her what she needed. And by golly, that is something we're celebrating, church. If we're going to truly celebrate life, And live a life that reflects the simple fact that we serve a God who is the God of the living. We need to also remember what his word says to us in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need. If you're wondering how to get through life, 
If you're struggling with something, if you're not sure what to do, right there. His divine power has given us everything we need so that we can not just celebrate life, but we can live it boldly. We're preparing for our response time today, and I want you to consider exactly that, how you're living your life. Is your life reflective on the fact that our God lives? Or is your life reflective of the servant actions of Jesus? Are you living life victoriously, putting others first, because you know that spending eternity in heaven worshiping Christ is going to be so much better than being first place here on earth? This month, as we celebrate in the party series, one of the things that you're going to be challenged to do is to step out in faith, to go and to serve. Spoiler alert, everyone in this room needs to bring a change of clothes with them next week. I said it earlier, said it today. They say the best way to inform people is to repeat it. See, so that's how I worked that in. Next week, bring a change of clothes with you. We talk about here at Huntsville Christian Church, our our goals here are to win, commit, grow, and go. And I talk about that a lot. But I don't just want to be a church that talks about things like that. I want us to be a church that lives things like that. I want us to be a church that is alive and celebrates living in Christ. I want us to be a church that lives out loud. Win, commit, grow. Thank you. Come on, don't stop. I want us to live out loud. Win, commit, grow, and go. I don't want to just preach about going into our community. I want to take the whole HCC community into our community. I want to take Jesus Christ into our community. So bring a change of clothes next week. We're going to have a great message on faith. And then we have an opportunity right then to change clothes and go have a quick lunch. Because after we worship together, we're going to step out in faith. And we're going to go to the downtown rescue mission. And we're going to serve. We're going to serve. And we're not going to expect anything in return. Nothing. We're not going to get paid. We may not even get, they may not even say thank you, but I don't care. We're going to go and we're going to serve there. Not as a membership drive. Come down here. No, not going there to say, hey, look at us. We're Huntsville Christian Church and we love you more than the other churches. No, it may be true, but no. (laughs) We're going to serve so that our actions will say, hey, look at Jesus. He's the reason we're alive. He's the reason that we love. He is the reason, and He is so worth it. And He is the reason that we are celebrating life with you by washing windows and pulling weeds and painting stuff. I don't know what's going to be set up there. I just told Ted, hey, we're going to show up. And he was like, well, come on. (laughs) We'll see you at one. Um, I don't know what we're going to be doing there. But there will be something that everyone can do. If you can speak, there will be a job for you. Okay? If you're afraid to speak, we'll let you pull weeds. Yeah, now everybody wants to talk. Um, whatever your skill set, you'll have an opportunity to serve no matter what your age. You have an opportunity to serve no matter what your physical ability is. You have an opportunity to serve. Today for our response time, I just would like for you to consider if you're going to choose to celebrate life. Thank you. If you're going to choose to do that. By preparing to serve others next week. And listen, if there's a decision that you need to make for Christ today, my prayer this week has been that you will make it. If today is the day that you come up here and you partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church, come, get up here. Maybe for you, the thought of serving next week at the rescue mission just scares you to death. 
Maybe the thought of walking out these doors and taking Jesus to our community scares you to death because you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do or you don't want to be a poor image. Maybe you're just struggling with the concept of celebrating life. Yeah, if you can't do it in here, you're not going to do it out there. That's the whole point of that little practice drill all sermon long. Maybe you're just struggling with that concept. Maybe it's because, like Dave said, your past life seems to keep you from celebrating right now. Come up here. The elders are here. And let me tell you, if you start walking, one of them will meet you here. And we will pray with you, and we will love on you, and we will encourage you every way we can. Maybe you've realized today that you're not celebrating life because you haven't yet... Thank you. Because you haven't yet submitted to Jesus Christ in baptism. The baptistry is open. It's ready. All we have to do is open it. It'd be a great way to start off your week fresh and new, ready to serve, ready to make a difference. Whatever your response is today, I pray that you will respond to God's word because he is the God of the living. And that in and of itself gives us life worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. Will you stand and sing with us? Let your response be known.